Welcome to Monsters Among Us. I'm your guide, Derek Hayes. Tonight's show is jam-packed full of paranormal encounters, so I won't waste anybody's time. We're going to jump right into this. But before we do get started, I want to touch on Katie's call from the previous episode. If you recall, Katie witnessed a four-legged, cat-like creature with the ears of a rabbit that seemed to chase her from a known haunted location. Well, after last week's show aired, I got an email from listener Sam. The email goes as follows. Hi, Derek. Not reporting a sighting, but something struck me listening to the Creature in the Bushes segment in this week's episode. It sounded incredibly similar to something that was sighted in the next town over from my hometown. It was the mention of the long ears. Something called the Beast of Green Drive or the Beast of Lytham was spotted around 20 times in 2005. It was seen a few more times until 2007 when it was finally captured and put down by the RSPCA, as it turned out to be a very elderly fox with mange. Though not as aggressive as the creature your caller saw, the description sounds rather familiar. Thank you, Sam. Sam was kind enough to include a couple links to local news stories about the events surrounding the Beast of Green Drive, You can find a link to those articles in addition to a sketch of the creature in the show notes for tonight's episode. Thank you, Sam, for making the connection and sharing it with all of us. Now, let's get on with the show. Anyone that's rented or purchased a new home knows this feeling. It's your first couple nights. The majority of the unpacking is complete. You've decorated and hung pictures of your family, and possibly even met the new neighbors next door. But it's those first few evenings that really rub your nerves raw. What was that strange creaking sound? Is that shadow on the wall a coat rack or a killer? Who lived and possibly died in the very room where I'm resting my head? These were the very thoughts that went through the head of repeat offender Gavin when he moved to his new Georgia home. The following is his experience. Hey, um, it's Gavin again. So in my last one, we were living in Indiana. I lived there until my freshman year of high, freshman year of high school, and then we moved down my 
at the end, uh, in the beginning of my sophomore year to Georgia. Um, when we moved to Georgia, we finally, we got a new house and, uh, cause before we lived in it, the, the previous story happened just like a regular townhouse, but this was actually a house that had been here a little while. It was, it was a bit of an older house that had, it, it was a rented house. So it's had a bunch of people move in and out. And, um, I was, so I was probably about 16 or 17 at the time at the most. And I had a brother, uh, and a little sister and my mom and dad all live in this house from the moment I moved in this house really scared me I never if I was if I was alone uh, I did not leave my room or I was just not at the house uh, if everybody left and I knew everybody was gonna be gone I did not like being in there I just uh, I just got the weirdest feeling I, I hadn't even no one had said anything uh, to me yet before this but I just had I just had the weirdest stuff and when I was trying to go to sleep I'm, if my brother wasn't in the room or something like that all I could do is I felt like I was like being watched I was like at the door um, of our room I just stare at the door just the whole the whole night until I fell asleep it was the weirdest feeling I didn't have too many experiences other than just like very bad feelings like I would my my parents left out of town like after I'd moved out uh, a few years later which was a big relief uh, when I finally moved out of this house but they 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 went down to Louisiana to visit family and I house sat for them and by house sat I mean I went into there and then I fed the I fed the cat and then left I tried staying in there uh one night and man I felt like the whole house was watching me but other other than that kind of stuff just like the weirdest presence I I didn't have too many experiences my family all did my mom had probably three or four and I trust her and I trust everybody in my family because they all experience stuff. But my my mom was probably the most, uh, she had the most stuff. She's always home. She didn't have a job. She basically worked uh, from home if she did at the time. And uh, so the first one my mom experienced was she was in her, she was in the, uh, the bathtub and nobody else was home at the time. And she left the door open and she was look, just taking, I was taking a bath and she was looking at uh, towards the door. And it was all black outside because all the lights were off. And this white figure just comes floating across, and she had no idea who it was. And she started yelling for my little sister if she was home or see if it was the cat or something like that. But it was tall. It was like a human, human size uh, crossing the, the door. And she went and looked around the house. And nobody was there. Uh, that was her first one. And then um, my grandparents came visiting um, a little while later, and they were all in the living room just talking. And then they hear somebody like sprint through the home. Like the the living the home is only like a it's a three bedroom home. It's it's probably about like fourteen hundred square foot on the bottom. Like it's not huge, but it's a pretty decent sized home. But um, you could hear somebody run across the entire house like do 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 do. Then there was nothing, and they all went searching around the house. There was nothing. Uh, there was they have cats, but they they <laughs> the cats do this kind of or. Aren't that uh, aren't that active, and they don't sound like a human being, like with huge boots. That was the second one, and then also in the same time, they had um, when my grandparents were still visiting. Everybody was in the room, including all the animals, and they heard a big crash in the, uh, the kitchen, and a large plate had come across the from the uh, the shelf in the kitchen. Had flown across the uh, the kitchen into the middle and just and broke in the middle along with a uh, a uh, spice bottle. 
So that happened, uh, and that was that was really weird because they were. It's not like they were just piled up in the sink or something like that. These were nicely stacked on a shelf. If somebody was to like take these and throw them, they'd have to reach up, and then they'd have to uh, pick them up because they're pretty heavy, and throw them all the way across the uh, the kitchen, which was about five or six feet. So that was uh, that was also a really strange one, and I think the last big experience she had because there was there was a ton of small ones at all times. Like there was like sounds like. We had a piano, and we could hear that going off uh, randomly, just small little noises from it. Um, we could hear bangs and stuff. But the, the last big one was my mom was alone in the house, and she was going in and out uh, doing some gardening on the porch. And uh, she, she took the dog out with her, and she closed the door behind her kind of fast. And then about five seconds later, like after she had closed the door, she turned around and was reaching for something. And it sounded like somebody from inside the house just banged on the door with their fist, like as hard as they could. And my mom obviously was freaked out from this. And she went inside trying to look what it was and nobody was there. There's nothing hanging on the door. So that was that was her last big one. And like I said, there were small ones. And I was, I, I, I never had a big experience at that house, but I was always constantly freaked out every time I was there and I just had this uncomfortable feeling. My mom herself has a very positive outlook on this kind of stuff and she said she ne- she always felt the same, but she never felt a bad presence there. But uh, that, that house was definitely haunted. I just, I did not like it. When I, the day I moved out, I was, I, I felt this pressure off my shoulders like, thank God we're gone. Um, but anyway, that's my last ghost story. Uh, I have probably one more I'll call back with. Thanks a lot for listening. Thank you again, Gavin, for your continued support and for sharing yet another tale. The first thing that came to mind when reviewing Gavin's call was an invisible force known to most paranormal investigators. Of course, I'm speaking of EMF, electromagnetic fields. Anyone that's ever seen ghost hunters or the like have heard of EMFs. An EMF is a measurable field of electricity that's produced by various electronic equipment and even living creatures. Depending on the strength of the waves being emitted, various negative effects can be experienced, some even life-threatening. It's a popular belief among paranormal investigators that these EMFs cause your body to react in ways that are reminiscent of paranormal activity. According to the World Health Organization, symptoms include headaches, anxiety, suicide, depression, nausea, and fatigue. Now, many paranormal investigators will also include the feeling of being watched, out-of-body experiences, and even full-on hallucinations in that list of symptoms. So in short, it seems possible that Gavin's new home could have had higher-than-normal levels of electromagnetic fields, which could cause him to feel creeped out in the home. Of course, like anything we know little about, these quote-unquote symptoms are highly debated in the paranormal field, so that leaves us with his actual experience, which seems to suggest that something strange may have been going on in his home. Thank you again, Gavin, for sharing yet another story. In keeping with the ghostly theme, our next call also explores supernatural happenings within the home. This is E.H.'s call. Hi, my name's E.H. I'm calling from California. And um, my parents' house is 
kind of in the middle of nowhere. If you're from California, you might know where Chico is. It's about 40 miles south of Chico, and there's basically nothing but walnut orchards around. So I lived in that house for probably close to 10 years, um, and I still visit sometimes. A lot of weird stuff would happen but not usually anything big, usually just noises, um, things calling my name when nobody's home, weird stuff like that. So, um, for a while, nothing happened, and then I started waking up almost every single night at either 3 or 3.30 a.m. Every night without fail for probably a good two week period and it would come and go for a couple of weeks and then it would stop and then it would come back and then it would stop and I couldn't figure out what was going on so then one night something else woke me up about three o'clock in the morning and it was specifically the sound of my father's footsteps He used to be a police officer, and I know what his footsteps sound like coming home from the graveyard shift at 3 o'clock in the morning. But he's been retired for over a decade now. So I hear his footsteps on the wood floor, and they walk from the kitchen to my bedroom door, and then they stop. And then... I hear the water running in the sink in the kitchen. Now, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. I can't imagine what he'd be doing up or why he would be by my room. So I'm actually starting to freak out because I think now that there might actually be somebody else in the house. So it's at this point that I quietly creep to their bedroom and I wake him up and we search the house and there's nobody here and the water uh, the, the faucet in the sink actually never even ran the sink is bone dry so this actually repeats multiple nights over about a month um, probably two or three more times then one night I wake up three o'clock in the morning and I decide to go to the bathroom well, on my way to the bathroom, I look towards the kitchen and I see a pitch black silhouette of my dad in the kitchen, just sort of leaning over, um, like bracing himself on the island and not moving. And so I think, well, I'll just ask him what's wrong when I get out of the bathroom if he's still there. So when I get out of the bathroom, I see that he's still there. And I start to walk towards him to see what's wrong and ask him what's going on. And I get about halfway there, I blink, and he's pretty much gone. Like, his silhouette sort of dissolves. Um, And I, I see, like, a few specks of black in my vision, and then when I blink again, he's completely gone. And I had no idea what to make of it. 
So I went back to bed, and when I asked him the next morning, he said he never woke up at all that night anyway. So yeah, um, that's my story. I don't really have any more details. Thank you, E.H., for taking the time to submit your story. As it turns out, E.H. is currently writing a book on the phenomenon known as the Shadow Man or Shadow People. And as part of her writing process, she's searching out Shadow Man encounters that she would later detail in her final work. So if you have a Shadow Man experience, even one you've told on the show previously, and would like to share your account with E.H., you can send her an email at e.h.smith, which is S-M-Y-T-H-E, dot shadowinthedark at gmail.com, or head on over to the show notes for a direct link. As for her actual encounter, there seems to be a phenomenon going on here that's reminiscent to the living ghost phenomenon, which is basically, as it sounds, the ghost of a living person. These reports are much less common than your typical ghost sighting, but have been known to happen from time to time. I will try to touch on this subject in greater detail in a later episode. But for now, thank you, E.H., for submitting your story. I really look forward to reading your book. Our next call takes us out of the realm of ghosts and into the bizarre world of strange coincidence. This is Danny's call from California. Hi, Derek. This is uh, Danny. I've loved the show. i um, been listening to it for, I guess, the last few weeks. I'm just binging it. Uh, it's a great platform to, to kind of allow people to share their stories and kind of gather great information about, um, you know, these the strange occurrences in the world. Um, anyway, uh, my story happened in 2009. Um, it was uh, late spring, uh, this in May. Um, at the time, I was in a band, and we were actually recording our what would become our debut uh, full length, and uh, this is in Los Angeles. Anyway, um, we had just finished it, a recording, and we went to start doing the cover art for the album, and all of us had been kind of spitballing different um, you know, ideas about what the cover should be. Uh, the title of the record was... Uh, read my palm Revenant, which obviously for anyone that doesn't know, uh, a Revenant is sort of like a, a zombie, uh, a vengeful spirit. Um, and we thought, okay, like, what should we, we do with this? Uh, so long story short, uh, after, some, after some discussion in the band, uh, we decided to do something with, uh, sounds stupid now, a Ouija board, um, which at the time I had no experience with it. Um, obviously I knew what it was. I'm a huge horror fan. Um, I've been growing up in ghost stories for my entire life, uh, but didn't really take any, put any stock in it, I guess, necessarily. Um, so as a band, we, we kind of decided that, even though there, there was two of us, not myself, but two other bandmates, who were very standoffish about the whole thing. Um, they didn't really want to use the Ouija board. They, you know, they, they, they believed that it was real. Uh, as it, I did not. Um, so we decided to go to Target because we heard that they actually sold them there. Um, I don't know if that's still the case, but in 2009 that was. And so my friend, my best friend Diego uh, and I went to Target and we hadn't, we discussed getting it, the Ouija board before in the car, but as soon as we entered Target, we, we hadn't 
said anything about anything. We, we hadn't even, I think, talked about it. We just kind of beelined it to the game section. Um, anyway, we got there uh, towards the back of the store and hadn't said anything. We were just kind of perusing the aisle with our eyes, not talking to each other. I think we kind of you know, slightly split up within you know, 10 or 15 feet of each other, but kind of like uh, reconnaissance of, of the game section. Um, and I don't know who, who spotted it first, uh, if it was he or I, um, but someone behind us, a voice in a Caribbean accent um, or, or, or something of that nature, um, Haitian, I, I, I don't know, I'm not very good at accents, but, but certainly something of that, and it sounds insane to think about now even just to talk about it because it <laughs> It doesn't seem real, um, but it very much was. In fact, before I called, I actually called my friend and said, hey, did you remember it like this? And he confirmed it. Um, it's just strange. Anyway, uh, a Caribbean voice came behind us as we were looking, and we turned around, and it was a, uh, an African-American woman, and she asked us if we were looking for a Ouija board. Um, and just kind of talking about how it's so freaky to think about um, and we kind of looked at each other, Diego and I, who's my, my friend Diego, and we didn't really know what to say, and we, we said, uh, yes, and she said, oh, uh, I, I don't think you should be messing with those, or, or something to that effect. And we kind of looked at each other and nodded and walked down the aisle, like kind of got out of there, because uh, first of all, it was startling that anyone was talking to us, and second of all, uh, after a moment or so, it kind of dawned on us that we hadn't been talking, and uh, in, in, in a cliche way or not, the the, the voodoo, the hoodoo uh, culture that is somewhat sometimes associated with uh, Ouija words and the spirit world, um, a woman of kind of a, a really cliche description was behind us, uh, warning us or or steering us away from that uh, out of nowhere. I mean, at the time we're in Southern California, uh, it's not like it's necessarily a very, uh, you know, it's not New York City where you feel like there's people coming from uh, the Caribbean often because it's, it's off the coast. Um, I mean, it, it very well could have could have been a Caribbean woman there, but, but why was she there? And we hadn't talked um, at all about getting a Ouija board while we were in the store. Um, and we were walking down the aisle, and when we turned back around, she was not there. Um, we had been maybe walking for five seconds, so I'm not saying that she she could have you know ducked behind another aisle or, or, or whatever. I mean, she could have actually been there in the flesh. I'm just saying it, it seems extremely strange and too coincidental that all of those events transpired. Um, especially considering that since then, and like I said, this is back in 2009, uh, since then I've had at least two or three different conversations with uh, sort of peripheral, peripheral friends, uh, you know, buddy's girlfriend, uh, and a couple of other people who have had extremely real experiences with Ouija boards and, and not so much, um, the, you know, playing with the board itself, uh, but sort of the aftermath of, of messing with it. Um, I, I certainly thought it was a lot of, you know, hokum before, uh, 
things have changed, and I, I certainly would not be messing with, with Ouija board now um, and would, would warn most people uh, against it if they're, they're not trying to mess with uh, the spirit world. Anyway, that's my story. Um, super strange. I haven't really had anything quite like that uh, before or since, but it, I definitely thought it was, it was worth trying. So keep up the good work, Derek. You're doing a great job with this podcast, and uh, I can't wait to hear everyone else's stories and kind of piece together this mysterious, mysterious world. Have a good day. Bye. Thank you, Danny, for taking the time to submit. This is a strange call indeed, but I can't help but feel it would be much more benign if the woman that warned you had not had the accent. It could be as simple as the woman zigged and you zagged, and because of that Caribbean accent which we associate with zombies, witchcraft, and the mysterious, you found strangeness in an otherwise normal situation. But then again, as I always say, there could be much more to this story. Thank you again for sharing it with us. Our final call of the evening takes us on a wild ride. But before you buy the ticket, let me make a quick explanation. Our next caller will refer to a creature known as a skinwalker in her call. For those unfamiliar, a skinwalker is a Navajo legend in which a trained shaman can alter his appearance and by many accounts turn himself into another animal or even creature. Oftentimes, these creatures are reported to be pale and gaunt in appearance and are associated with murder. Now, armed with that information, the following is Caitlin's submission from Illinois. Hey there, uh, my name's Caitlin. I have um, spent the last couple months listening to your podcast, uh, listening through all the episodes, because um, it's great. I love listening to it. And also because I wanted to try and see if um, anyone had had a similar experience before I submitted my story. I had seen the success that um, people kind of had with um, sharing stories that other people experienced, uh, mainly with the example of the mirrored men, um, with all the people that experienced that phenomena. Um, and I'm sure it was really, really comforting to, uh, find other people that experience something similar. So I was hoping to do that myself. Um, and at the very least share a strange thing that happened. Um, so when this encounter that I had happened, it would have been somewhere between, probably 2009-2010. I was in high school at the time I was living in uh, central Illinois in a small town kind of right up against the border with Indiana. And a friend of mine lived uh, a few miles north in an even smaller town, an even more rural area. Um, In the summers I would stay with her um, for a few days at a time and we would a lot of times at night go walking if the weather was nice, just for something to do. Um, but we were also into paranormal things and that kind of stuff. And sometimes on these walks, we would, you know, just try and creep each other out, stuff like that. The route that we were taking this one night in particular was going to take us from her house down a um, back road that went through a park in an open space area. And if you continued to follow this little trail off the road, it would take you through the town cemetery 
um, back onto another side road that eventually connected with the main street of town and back to her house because she lived on the main street. Um, this night was pretty clear, if I remember it right. Um, and the reason why we had such good visibility is because the moon was either full or almost full. Um, a little bit of cloud cover, but not a whole lot. Um, wasn't uh, too, too long after the sun had set that we were out. Um, just kind of long enough to have the sun go down and it started to get fairly dark. Um, but even as it started to get darker, the moon came out, so we still had pretty good visibility. Um, so, if I remember right, this night we weren't specifically trying to creep each other out or freak each other out or anything. We were mostly just kind of walking and talking about like high school stuff and boys and friends and um, that kind of stuff. Um, nothing super specific or important. We had made it, we had almost completely finished the walk, so we're down the, the side road, through the park, through the open space, and we were probably halfway across the width of the cemetery, uh, walking down the main gravel road. And she stopped and I stopped. And she turned to me and she said, like, dude, did you hear that? And I said, no, but I saw it. And what I saw, um, running through um, kind of weaving in and out of the headstones what I saw for a couple seconds was what appeared to be a pale malnourished completely hairless humanoid maybe male humanoid uh, figure it was running on all fours like its hands and its feet not its hands and its knees um, and it was moving actually pretty quickly uh, I saw it. She didn't. She just heard it. And it freaked us out pretty bad. So we just kind of froze because we continued to kind of hear it moving around us in a pretty wide circle, um, but never saw it again. So we called a friend who lived in town not too far away because um, it was a pretty small town, um, really small town. So we called a friend because we were so freaked out and had him come and meet us and walk us the rest of the way home. And we talked about it a little bit after that. Um, not a whole lot but it bothered me that I couldn't f figure out what it was or pin down what it was. Um, I know one of the first things that everybody always asked me when I told them about it, especially because the area that we were in was, you know, was it a coyote? And it definitely wasn't a coyote. Um, growing up in that area, I had seen a bunch of coyotes and I, you know, she did live in a smaller town, you know, surrounded by fields and trees and stuff like that. And I've definitely seen coyotes in the area before, um, but this isn't what that was. Um, and other people, you know, asked maybe it was someone's dog that was a stray, um, but it wasn't that. It didn't look like any dog of any kind. It looked absolutely 100% human. Um, so I spent a while um, in the months following that trying to just research the area and figure out if maybe there was an urban legend or something that I hadn't heard of or some sort of myth or Native American legend from the area that I'd never heard of. Um, never really turned anything up, but I did end up connecting with a guy who was a couple towns over who had a uh, paranormal group. I think at the time it was called uh, CHIPS, which was short for Champaign, Illinois Paranormal Society. 
So um, he met up with me and my friend and conducted a bit of an interview and pretty much just uh, went to the cemetery with us where we had had the sighting, did like a voice recording of us describing what it was and him, you know, asking different questions about uh, the you know, was it clear that night? Do you think it could have been this? Do you think it could have been that? Anything else unusual? Blah, blah, blah. So gave him that information. And that was kind of the last that I worried about it because I never could figure out what it was. Um, I never could explain it, but it was literally just that one sighting and nothing more after that. So kind of just, you know, put in the back of my mind as one of those weird sightings that I had, and that was it. Fast forward to 2012. Um, I moved out to Colorado, where I am now, to go to school, and um, I met a guy out here, and through the course of us talking and stuff, we become really, really good friends, but uh, some of the first things that kind of came up as we were talking and hanging out um, in the beginning was that we were both fairly interested in uh, paranormal stuff and supernatural stuff. He had an especially um, keen interest in Native American legends, especially um, Apache legends, because on one side of his family, um, he is Apache. So um, he was interested in uh, things like uh, uh, skinwalkers. And so he's kind of, I hadn't really heard much about skinwalkers until I met him and then he kind of gave me the full down low um, from his perspective um, and kind of from the Apache perspective. Um, so skinwalkers came up and that led me to bring up the encounter that I had in the cemetery you know, a few years back because the only thing I had ever ran into online that could have possibly explained it was a skinwalker. So I described to him what I saw and he was a little bit shaken and he was like, I, that wasn't a skinwalker, which I mean, I guess seemed like a good thing, but I couldn't figure out why he seemed so shaken up. And I, you know, told him to kind of elaborate and, um, he said he had seen that same thing before too, only one time described it the same way, um, as pale, skinny humanoid potentially male figure no hair whatsoever running on uh, hands and feet and he had seen it in high school or sometime around then which would have been close to the same time that I saw it and he said that he thought he knew what it was and where it came from he had a friend in high school whose sister saw the thing I think, um, if I remember right, she saw it one night under her porch and that it scared her and freaked her out pretty bad. Um, so she went to her mother, who I've been told by my friend is either a psychic or a sensitive or an empath of some sort, and she tried to figure out what it was, and all she could figure out about it um, was supposedly it had told her that it was very old. And her daughter had woken it up, and that was it. So that's the only, I guess, concrete information I could ever get about it. After he and I talked about it, and we started talking about it a lot um, for a few months, because we were both just blown away that the other person had seen the same thing around the same time, but thousands of miles apart. Because I, you know, at the time I was in Illinois, he was out here in Colorado when 
this thing supposedly woke up. And um, it made us kind of start to wonder about this, you know, really big coincidence. And so we started talking more about what we maybe thought it was and speculating. And it was like the more we talked about it, the more it felt like it was aware that we were talking about it, whatever it was. Because mind you, neither one of us had ever seen it. We'd only ever seen it once, never physically saw it ever again. Um, But when we started talking about it a lot, suddenly both of us started having these long bouts of night terrors. And it would essentially be some sort of night terror that involved whatever the thing was. And it would also involve our like our biggest fear you know it wasn't necessarily the thing that was terrifying but in the night terrors it might be for him it would describe to him his loved ones dying and how he couldn't do anything to save them and for me um it you know would make threats about the things that it could do and that sort of thing and it also seemed to bring kind of minor bad luck whenever it would pop up in our dreams and so for a while we quit talking about it we sort of both agreed we were going to try and keep it at bay and not talk about it and kind of protect ourselves in whatever spiritual way we could. And it kind of fizzled out. And that was it. Um, I haven't really had any night terrors about it since. He has had a couple here or there at times when he's extremely stressed. Um, We both suffer from pretty severe depression so we're both kind of closer because of that and um, it's definitely something that has affected his depression a little bit um, and seems to pop up in these stressful times so that's kind of the gist of it Um, this weird pale humanoid figure um, all of us that have seen it have only seen it once physically manifest and then after that it only sort of pops up in dreams and sometimes talking about it too much brings bad luck. Supposedly it's something old that was woken up. That's all we really know. Um, That's all the information we really have. Um, Some other people we've talked to about it have compared it to the creepypasta creature, the rake. Um, My friend and I don't put any stock in that at all. We don't believe that's what this is. Um, The rake is a story that someone on the internet made up. It just happens to bear kind of a resemblance to it um but that's about it and as far as i know when he and i saw this thing it was long before people wrote about the rake i could be wrong though i honestly haven't really researched the rake because it doesn't really interest me but um i wanted to tell the story in hopes that maybe someone else saw this thing and could give us more information or at the very least to give you a strange story um that's about it. So uh, thanks for listening and good job on the podcast. I know I will continue to be a listener. So have a good one. Thank you, Caitlin, for submitting your story. You are not alone in your search for closure and for explanation. I can't help but think that a near majority of callers on the show are in search of the very same thing. Perhaps with a little luck, someone out there listening has had a similar experience and can shed some light on your mysterious encounter. I would like to take a quick moment to commend you on contacting a paranormal research group. Oftentimes, it seems these hardworking folks seldom have a black and white answer, but at the very least, your story was submitted, recorded, 
and compared against many others. A process that hopefully one day will shed some light on the mysterious world that we live in. Thank you again for sharing with us. And that's going to do it for this episode of Monsters Among Us, but before I go, some further info. Before I get into this week's announcements, I want to take a quick moment to mention a fundraiser for children's cancer. Warren Pon Abbott, whom you may know as the very talented voice actor for the show, is highly involved in raising money through the St. Baldrick's Foundation for Children's Cancer Research. If you have a couple extra bucks and want to support him and his fellow fundraisers, there is a link in the show notes of tonight's episode, as well as a Facebook post directing you to the site. Literally any amount helps them reach their goal, and it goes without saying that every penny raised helps fight children's cancer. A few days ago, I made a post on Instagram and Facebook asking listeners to share what they would like to hear more of on the show. I received many wonderful suggestions, ranging from more coverage on sea monsters and dogman to better transitions and longer shows. I appreciate each and every suggestion received, and I will do my best to implement everyone that I can. If you have an idea on how to improve the show, feel free to shoot me a message on Facebook or send me an email at monstersamonguspodcast.com. Also, while I'm at it, if you're sitting on a sea monster or dogman story, make some people happy and call that in today. Speaking of calling in, if you have a story you'd like to share, simply call the 24-hour monster hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. Or you can submit 100% anonymously by going to the website at monstersamonguspodcast.com and click on the Report Your Sightings tab. Rating and reviewing on iTunes has really taken off as of late, and I appreciate each and every one of you that has taken the time to submit. If you're listening and you enjoy what you hear, please take a couple extra minutes and leave a rate and review. Each review goes a long way to spread the word about the show and in turn brings in more calls. And I don't have to tell you why that's a good thing. It's also been recently brought to my attention that you can leave more than one review. So if you really like the show, go ahead and leave another one. I won't tell anyone. And speaking of spreading the word, be sure to follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And while you're at it, share a story or two with your friends and be sure to say hello. Remember that I'll be at CryptidCon on Sunday, September 9th in Frankfort, Kentucky. In addition, I'll be roaming the streets of Point Pleasant, West Virginia, a week later for the Mothman Festival. I won't have a booth in either event, but I will be roaming the streets and halls, so if you see me, be sure to say hello. I recently learned I have a new fan, so I want to give a quick shout-out to 9-year-old Emma from Naples, Florida. Thank you for tuning in, Emma. And finally, music from tonight's episode was provided by Mayu and Nature World 1986. Thank you all for listening, and until next week.
On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.